Well, good morning. Hope you're doing well. Um, David Jeffrey is someone that maybe you're not aware of or where they're, what, maybe you don't, don't know. But David Jeffrey lives in Malcota, Australia. He is the owner of the Wave o- Oasis Bed and Breakfast in Australia. And you know that what's going on in Australia are these, these uh, brush fires that are just, bush fires, I guess is what you call them. And they're all of a sudden just overtaking acres and acres of land in Australia. And this guy, Jeffrey, was um, staying home. His family had left. He was staying at the bed and breakfast. There wasn't an imminent threat. And then all of a sudden things changed. And he and the street that he lived on was in great danger. This is January the 1st of this year, just a couple of days ago. And so he was an imminent threat where the fire was coming. And I have some, some things to talk about that or to talk about the firewall. It says the firewall loomed. Well, David Jeffrey says, reports came that the firewall was 60 feet high and it was moving at 90 kilometers, which is 55 miles per hour. And Jeffrey and two older prayer warriors started praying. He said, we could hear the roar. It sounded like a thousand freight trains coming to us. Then a huge gust, like someone had opened the door to a furnace, of a furnace. And it pushed us. And then things went black, as black as black could be. It it was, the smoke was so thick, it was even really difficult to breathe. Uh, we estimated that we had about 30 seconds, really, to survive. Then I heard God say to me, pray. He says, I started off with a pathetic little prayer. Then within me, this faith rose up and said, who are you praying to? He said, and I thought, yes, yes, the God of the Bible, nothing is impossible with So I prayed. Lord, if you don't push this fire back now with an east wind, we will die. As soon as I said that, it started blowing from the east. A little bit. And then as I got louder, the wind got stronger. I got louder again, and it got stronger again. I felt it change. I could see it change. I noticed that the bolder I got, the stronger the wind got. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord, for rescuing these souls. Thank you back and for saving us he goes on to say that nothing was nothing was um, forecasted in the weather of an easterly wind it wasn't in the forecast that wind would come from the east he said if he he did that for five minutes which broke the fire long enough to save him he goes on to say this he goes on to say it was heart sickening you could see that these intense flames and it was unstoppable Wisely, the firemen weren't even attempting to put it out because it was so overwhelming. This was so impossible, but somehow God turned off the flames like flipping off a switch. All the fuel was there. The houses were there. The grass was there. The trees were there. The fuel to the fire was there, except God stopped it. Not only that, he said, my neighbors who are not believers were eyewitnesses and they told me, hey, God saved us. They thought they were going to be annihilated because the fireball was coming straight at them, but the whole of Vista Drive, the street that they lived on, got spared and the bush around them got spared. Hot embers went into the dry, long grass, bits of bark and trees were praying for. Right was all spared. There were no burn marks. Honestly, not a blade of grass was even singed. 
he said, was interviewed by a, a, a Christian news outlet and said, what do you want people to know? He said, what I want people to know is I want people to know. It's time to get serious about God. It's time to get serious about the bigness of God and all that he can do and all that he wants to do, to read the Bible and to simply pray. And what are we talking about? Coming into his presence. I was sitting there and I was going, God, I just want to be at a place in my life where I don't want to pray wimpy prayers. And this guy right here, David Peters, realized, I learned this last week at lunch after church. I read some research on this situation and it was just beautiful. News outlets basically are writing that he was an atheist who prayed and came to Christ at that moment. That's not true. For 25 years ago, he was indeed an atheist and came to Christ. And he had said that he would hope that people who do not believe would come to faith and believe because he knows where they are, hoping that they'll come to where he is. So what are, what are we looking at? The last several weeks, what have you been talking about is the God of the universe has said, hey, I want to invite you. I want you to come into my presence. And we realize that coming into his presence, I believe, dramatically and drastically affects our prayer life. And then last week, we took a look at the obstacles to our prayer life. The obstacles of our prayer life are, are, are really, when we summarize it and we get down to it, there are several things. But one of the main things is a misunderstanding or a misapplication of the beautiful gospel. That there's nothing better than it says that Jesus died and set us free from our sins. That we're saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. And we camped out in that. And we said if we don't understand that, then we can misapply really what that message is all about and drastically, drastically impact our prayer lives. And then this week we have to come to realize we sit down and accept that invitation. We understand the gospel and we are sitting in his presence. And when we recognize who he is and we recognize that the resource that he's given us is the power of the Holy Spirit, our prayer life, prayer lives will be drastically different by what we ask for and what we believe all that God can do. Aren't you wanting to be that kind of a person that approaches God and says, God, I believe that you could do it and I want to ask you in Jesus' name to do those things. And so Ephesians chapter 3 verses 14 through 21 is a prayer that Paul prayed for the uh, Ephesian believers, the churches at Ephesus. And so what we're going to do is we're just going to jump into that text right there. We're going to read through that and see what did Paul pray for and what are some of the applications that we can learn from it as we jump in and understanding all that he is, all that he came to do, and how that affects our prayer life. I'm, I'm really hoping and I'm really, I'm really praying that God would reveal to us the power that we have that is within us is the power of, of, of the Holy Spirit. And that I'm praying that we would understand how that can affect our lives. So let's jump into the text. You know what we'll do? We'll read a little bit and talk about it, read a little bit and talk about it. And we'll summarize it and then make a couple of points there at the end. Okay? Here's what it says in verse 14. It says this. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named. So right from the very get-go, we learn something about what Paul believes about prayer. First and foremost, he says, for this reason. When he talks about for this reason, he's going back to even what we talked about last week, the but God moments. And in your life and in my life, if we're constantly lit seeing 
God do what God can do, there are but God moments in your life and but God moments in my life. And Paul is sitting down here and he's going, hey, this is what God can do. This is who he is. And because of that, for this reason, I'm on my knees and I'm posturing myself to talk to him. I'm posturing myself to pray to him. I love these people that you have encouraged, you have brought me to. I love them. And what I'm asking you to do, God, is I'm asking you to do some great things in them. But just the reason that he gathers together is because what he had just said last, what, we, what he said in chapter two and what we talked about last of Ephesians that said he lavished his love on us. Verse, verse chapter two. Chapter two is just an unbelievable, like I said, declaration of God's grace through faith. And so the reason he positions himself is because of who he has encountered. And then it says in verse 16, this is what, it's, it just blows me away. It says that according to the riches of his glory. So I'm praying to you and I'm looking at you and I'm saying according to the riches of your glory. That overwhelms me. The, the, when, you def, when you define that, the riches of his glory, it's defined as fabulous wealth, unfathomable resources, unimaginable riches, and the power they create. And he prays, and this is what he says. He says, for this reason, what do I do? I posture myself, I bow my knees. You know, a lot of times in Jewish culture, what you would do is you would stand up and hold your arms out. I would say this right now. Your posture, whether it's on your knees or whether you're holding your arms out or holding your hands up, there is a posture that he has because he's realizing who he's coming in front of. He's recognizing that I am in the presence of the Almighty. And there is a respect that's going on for Paul. Gosh, I pray that we would see that. And then he goes, who, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, meaning God is God of over everything. And that according to the riches of his glory, according to his riches, listen, it's unfathomable. It is unimaginable. It is the power that they create. It's unbelievable. So often we pray out of a lack of faith or lack of, and it, we, we pray based on our own spiritual poverty. And here's what he says. I don't want you to pray based on your own spiritual poverty. I want you to pray and recognize that the God that you're talking to is, has riches that are unfathomable and un unbelievably undefinable in some cases. So what does he pray for? Here's what he comes down, he prays for. He says, here's what I want, God. I pray for these Ephesians. I pray that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So he, he's talking right now. He's saying, listen, I want them to have the resource by which that I've given them. We understand that the God of the universe is seen in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. If you grew up like I did, the Trinity has often been seen as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Bible. Why? Because we're scared to death of the Holy Spirit. That's the way that I grew up. You didn't hear about the Spirit. That was for the charismatics. And so we stayed away from that. Here right now, we take a look that God reveals himself three in one. The greatest way to see that is the shampoo that all men buy at the grocery store. It is shampoo, it is conditioner, and it's body wash, and it says three in one, and when you turn it upside down, one thing comes out. I went to seminary for that, you're welcome. 
That is the way the God of the universe reveals himself. Not three separate people. He is three in one. And we need every aspect of him to understand him, to see all that he wants. And so Paul is saying right now that he may grant you that you would be strengthened. How? With the power through the Spirit. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to the ends of the word, end of the world. That word power is dunamis in the original language. It's where we get our English word dynamite. This is explosive power that is at our disposal because once we come to faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit is indwells us. There is not a second blessing that comes. There is indwelt with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes in us. And there is a filling of the Spirit which is based on our obedience to follow who Christ is. We are indwelt. God has given us everything that we need. The moment that we come to faith in Christ so that we can understand him and we can rest in his presence and that everything can be changed because of that. And so the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit, if we read Acts chapter 2, that's where the Holy Spirit came down, we call it Pentecost. Came down at Pentecost and, and dwelt the believers at that moment. And so when Jesus was leaving, they were saying, where are you going? Where are you going? Why don't you stay here with us? And he said, no, it's good that I go away so that the comforter will come and live in you. Basically what he's saying is, the God inside you is better than God beside you. God inside you is better than God beside you. He said, it's better that I go because when I do go, I'm gonna send you the Holy Spirit that is in your life. The Holy Spirit is God. I'm gonna place him into your life when we do what? Repent and believe in Jesus. The moment we say, God, I'm a sinner and I need you. And that is the power that fuels us to understand who he is, understand what he wants us to do and understands is the power by which we can pray. So we go on like this a couple of weeks ago. I mean, it's really just a couple of weeks ago. Um, I was asked to go to a, uh, a hospice hospital, the VA hospital at, um, uh, in, in Durham, and to see a man who was in hospice care with cancer, and he was just very, very, very sick. And um, I went to see him. I did not know him. I know someone who knows him, and they asked me to go, and so I went. And when I got there, one of his coworkers was there. His name was Tim. And Tim just looked at me and he says, hey, I've been working with, I've been working with Jim for 26 years, 25 years, whatever the case is. And he just goes, do you mind, pastor, if I just pray over him right now? And I'm like, sure. I mean, the pastor came to pray and the, the coworker's like, can I pray over him? And I'm like, yeah, no problem. Go ahead, pray. And I don't know if I've ever heard anything like that in my life. I sat back and listened to this man pray and the confidence by which he was praying to the God of creation and the spirit that was in him and what he was praying for that I just sat there and went, wow. It was overwhelming, it was convicting and it was incredibly challenging. He was praying for restoration. He was praying that God would, would just do some incredible things. He believed. He believed in the God of creation you could see it in his prayer. What I was overwhelmed by, I was just simply overwhelmed by his confidence in who God was. 
it, it, was, it, was, it was encouraging. Verse 17, he jumps down, he says this, so, the, so that Christ, here it is, I want you to be strengthened with the power through the Holy Spirit in your inner being, then this, so that, I want this to be demonstrated in your life, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. So here's what I want, I want the Holy Spirit, I want you to understand the spirit that which you have, and I want you to dwell in your hearts. The word dwell means it's my home. I am not passing through. I am not living a nomadic life. It is my home. Christ is my home. That's where I gather in. He is not just a room. He is the embassy by which I live in. That's what he's saying right here. It's the center and the source of all of our life. If you were to sit there and say, well, why does he dwell in your hearts? If you look in scripture, and when it says that Christ may dwell in your hearts, it's basically the center of your entire life. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Um, follow, hold on, help me. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. He says, I want this to flow out of your being. I want this to be the center of your life. I want it to flow out of you. And so he's saying that I want Christ to do what? I want him to dwell in your hearts. Listen, another way to say that, to help us without doing damage to the text in any way, shape, and form, is to say, I want his presence to be in the center of your life. I want his presence to be right there in the center. And then what will happen? That you may be rooted and grounded in what? Grounded in love, that unconditional love that we talk about all the time. Verse 16, excuse me, verse 18, he says, here's what else he prays for. He prays this way, he says, so you're grounded in love that you may have, the, have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth the, and length and height and depth. When I see those words, breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, I start having the shakes. You know why? Because I think of geometry. <laughs> and, and Satan's, Class is, is geometry or math, and that's how. Okay, thank you. Amen to that, too. Okay? I'm telling you right now, I look at that and I'm going like this. No. What is he trying to say? He's trying to sit there and say, Listen to me. I want you to understand the power by which you can grasp and understand him. I, I was overwhelmed 10 o'clock last night with this phrase that you may have strength to comprehend, listen, with all the saints. Here it is Northwest Community Church. You need each other. I need you. And you need me. And here's what he's saying in this text right now. That you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. This is a joint venture. It is an individual, individual venture. But it is also a joint venture. You have been called to be at Northwest. And I have been called to be at Northwest. Then what we do is we reconcile this. We understand this. We talk about it. And we do this together. Hashtag join the life group. It's, it's, it's important for us to be around tables so that we can understand the height, the depth, and the length of what God loves us with and how he loves us. And he says, I want you to do that so that you would comprehend with all the saints. Don't, don't get past that. Don't get past that. And so this power to grasp is the ability to, incomp is to comprehend the, incomp the incomprehensible. It's like, how can we sit there and we look at it and we say, how can Christ love his enemies? How can Christ send his only begotten son to die for us who did not deserve that? 
But he simply doesn't just pray that we might get it. He prays that we might have a full scope of the entire grasp of all that he is and all that he came to do. And I would have to say that I'm not there. But that's the part of sanctification. What I'm trying to say is, is that that is a lifelong discovery of who it is. We're talking about the God of creation. And we can sit there because we've got the power of the Holy Spirit. We sit into his presence. We have each other so that we can sit there and we can learn something new about him every single day, which is completely possible. We can learn something new about him every single day. Verse 19, it says this. Verse 19 says, And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Here's what he's praying for. I want you to know the love of Christ. That it surpasses. To the natural mind, it does not make sense. It's truly mind-blowing. He acknowledges this with the phrase that love surpasses knowledge. Surpasses knowledge means to attain a degree that is extraordinary. It exceeds a point on a scale of extent. It goes beyond. It surpasses. It outdo. It is outdone. Why? Because that's why he has the title of God. And we don't. If a waiter came to our table and said, you've got an empty glass of, let's just say, for instance, Diet Coke. And we were sitting there. I love, and, and it, was, it was empty, and he came over and he filled it up halfway. How would you feel about that? Not really good. You want to fill it up all the way. Here's what he's saying to us. I want you to be filled with the fullness of God. And the Holy Spirit is there for you to understand that, to experience his presence in your prayer life and in every other aspect of your life. I want you to be completely filled. Here's a quote for you right now. Christ having access to all the rooms in our house. It means unlocking some doors and cabinets that have been here there too closed to Christ's influence and cleaning them out. Each of us have suffered wounds and many of us, these hurts have not healed. But underneath the scab of festering soreness of bitterness, if that is the case, we must go back, open up the wound, dress it with forgiveness and cover it in this time with God's grace that can cover a multitude of sins. Unlocking some of those doors may require rethinking our value system that has been too strongly influenced by the culture and realigning it with the word of God. It may involve a change in the way we treat people, perhaps making amends and asking forgiveness. Dear friends, if you and I want to be filled with all the fullness of God, that requires Christ's access to and welcome in every area of our lives, no matter how much pain, his entrance might entail. He must have all of us if he is to fill us completely. That's what he desires to do. Verse 20. Verse 20, we come into what's called a doxology. This is a doxology, and if you were growing up like mine, myself, then you would say, you know, the doxology was praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above all ye heavenly. Praise Father Oh my gosh, you're good. So that's, that was a doxology that my church growing up that we would sing all the time. A doxology is basically saying we are giving glory to God. Giving glory to God is what that means is it's giving credit for all that he is and all that he does. It's just giving credit to God, period. That's giving glory. So verse 20, here's what it says. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, 
A fire is roaring down you in Australia in the bushfire. We're going to be consumed in a matter of 30 seconds. According to the power at work within us, that's the Holy Spirit in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout what all generations, forever and ever, amen. Doxologies really have three parts. They have three parts. Usually they are, um, they're broken down into the one who we give glory to. There, there's another part that's the ascription of glory, and there's another part that just concludes it, which means forever and ever, amen. So here's God's ability to answer prayer. What does he say? The couple of words that I want to highlight for you. Now to him who is able to do far more. That word far more has absolutely wrecked me this week. That word far more, it's over and above, beyond, more than, a, more than a marker of a degree, beyond all, beyond that of a compared scale of extent. And the sense of excelling and surpassing is how it's defined. You can do far more. That's the God that we pray to. That's the God that we sit around. That's the God that we are encountering his presence. That is the God that we serve. And then he says, far more abundantly, which means immeasurably. It's going beyond all measure. It's the higher, highest form of uh, comparison imaginable to outdo super abundantly. And so we must understand, well, where, where do we ask these things or how do we see these things? Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask him or think according to the power at work within us. That's the key. That's the limiting factor right there. That is the limiting factor in our effectiveness in, in, in just ex- seeing God, knowing God, and being a witness for God, and really encountering him in our prayer lives. The limiting factor is not the resources that God gives us. It is our acceptance in his presence to, to, to apply what he's given us. The limiting factor is that power that we submit ourselves to on a daily basis. Whose power? That's God's power. There is no limit to God's power. There is a limit to how we tap in to who God is and that takes place and that is corrected when we understand that we get to sit in his presence and we talk to him in our prayers. I love this place where he says, here's what I want. I want you to see according to the power at work within him, this is what he says, to him be glory. So I want him to have credit. This is the doxology here. I want him to have credit where? I want him to have it in the church. And I want him to have it in Christ Jesus. Well, it's pretty easy for us to see how he has glory in, the, in Christ Jesus because Christ was buried, was crucified, and he rose again. And we can see that, how God is glorified in Christ. The key is, is how is Christ glorified within our church? And that's our responsibility to stand up and do just those. It's a deep conviction that Paul says, hey, Northwest Community Church, my desire is for you to understand the strength and the power so that to him would be glorified in the church. The church would be a place where God is most glorified and we are most satisfied. It's a deep conviction that Northwest Community Church, that Trinity Park, that Summit, that Good Hope, that Green Level, that White Oak, hundreds and thousands of more churches, that they would sit there and say, I want to bring glory to God and I want to give credit for all that he has done and all that he is. So what do we do here? We, we take a look and I, I want to I say that some of the greatest things that are going on right now are in Africa and South Korea, but perhaps one of the greatest places that the word of God is growing right now 
and where this prayer is taking effect and where it is seen is a place that's in the news. It's called Iran. And maybe Iran is, is in the news for a different reason at this point in time. But let me make sure that you understand that Iran has been in the news for a very long time because it is the fastest growing place for evangelical Christianity, for the underground house church movement led by many women over there that are coming to faith in Christ in numbers. And they have said it is all completely based on a power of prayer in our country. So what have we learned about Paul's prayer? Here's what we learned about Paul's prayer. That we'd be strengthened in the power through his spirit in our inner being. That Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith. That, that we would put down our roots in love and, 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 and lay in, to be our foundation. And that we would be empowered with the holy ones, the church, to grasp the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And that we would be filled to all the fullness of God. Here's, that's what he prays for. And so as a result of this, as a result of looking at who God is, let's just make a decision to do two things together. Number one, we will not pray wimpy prayers. We just talked about God of the universe and know the Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God and then comes down now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power of work within him to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever ever and we say amen so let's just dedicate ourselves God I'm, I'm gonna pray I'm gonna pray big prayers for you and then number two as I would say Let's not just be general in our prayers. God, thanks for the food. Protect my children. No, let's ask God. God, I'm asking you in Jesus' name. I'm asking you to give my kids a hunger for you. I'm asking you to, 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 to allow everything that comes into that may compete with you. May it look wimpy compared to you. May it not even be in consideration because of all that you are and all that you can do so understanding the power that is within us and understanding the prayers that we have and sitting there let's go to God and pray big prayers for him and let's pray prayers let's not pray prayers that are just too general let's be specific about calling on him who we know is able to do far more than we could ask or imagine I think um, here's a quote for you to say, when the massive weather front of God's love meets the massive weather front of God's power in the heart of a believer, it produces a hurricane of confidence called Gloria. A powerful doxology. To him be glory in the church and in Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. What I thought we would do is I, would, I thought we would close our service with verses 20 and 21, and that you would just stand with me right now. Can you go ahead and do that? Can you stand? The worship team is going to come out here. I'm going to invite them to go out and come right now. Go ahead and get in place, guys. What I thought we would do, we would do is we would sit there in this part of our service is that we would simply, we would simply just go out with this doxology which is a declaration of the glory of God for all things and in all things. That we would 
see who it is that we are in the presence of, that we would see all that he can do, that we would understand that his Holy Spirit lives in us, it resides in us, and that we would pray because of them.